piece uh, on Mark chapter 6. The series is called Jesus the Servant King. As we've talked about, one of the key verses in Mark uh, is Mark 10, 45, that the Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so throughout the Gospel of Mark, we see Jesus in action. We see Jesus showing loving, sacrificial service to those who are hurting and in need. And we're going to see that again this morning. Um, So Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. And I titled this, this sermon, The Compassionate Care of Jesus. The Compassionate care of Jesus. We're going to see Jesus in action, and we're going to see his heart behind his actions in Mark chapter 6. Fathers, we open up your word. Would you speak to us? Would you open our eyes to understand and to grasp the truth of Scripture and to know Jesus better as a result of our time here together? May we know your compassion for us, and God, may we possess more of that for others. Fill our lives with your grace, love, and compassion, so that we can freely give it out to others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mark 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties, And taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. And all God's people said... Amen. So here's our big idea from Mark chapter 6. Jesus is the true shepherd who cares about our physical and spiritual needs. 
He's the true shepherd who cares about our physical and spiritual needs. And he extends his compassionate care through us when we bring what we have to him. He cares about the physical and the spiritual needs of his people. And he extends his compassionate care through us as we bring to him what we have. So, just to bring us back a couple weeks ago, uh, we looked at Jesus preparing his disciples and sending, sending them out on a short-term mission trip, giving them authority to cast out demons and to heal the sick and to go preach repentance. And that's what they went and did. They went and had a, a short-term mission trip. They had seen Jesus in action. They had seen Jesus flowing in the compassion and love of God, helping and healing people and delivering people and calling people to change their direction in life, to change their mind and change their direction. Jesus had modeled it. They had been with Jesus. They saw up close what the ministry looked like, what the advancement of the kingdom of God looked like. And then Jesus said, hey, it's your turn now, guys. All right, you've seen me do this stuff. Now it's your turn. So then they get behind the wheel, so to speak. All right, and they're out there casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. Now they're out there preaching, and they come back, I would imagine, pretty excited. They're probably stoked about this, this new possessed power that they have from Jesus. To cast out demons. Uh, Luke's gospel tells us they were excited that the demons were subject to them. They're like, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. He's like, yeah, okay, I, I told you I would give you authority, right? But Jesus says, don't rejoice in this, that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I don't know if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip. But when you go on a short-term mission trip or any time you make yourself available to God and you offer yourself to God, one of the things that I found out is that God will tend to take us up on the offer and fill us and use us and give us some great opportunities for ministry. And I think on mission trips, one of the reasons why a lot of folks are like, why does, why does so much happen on a mission trip versus my day-to-day -day living? I think one of the reasons is, is because on a mission trip, you're kind of offering up that week or two or three weeks or however long the trip is. And you're saying, God, this, this is yours. Use me. Fill me. You're praying over your days. You're, you're, looking, you're looking for ministry opportunities. And in our day-to-day -day, day -day lives, oftentimes we just get caught up in the mundane of life and we forget about living on mission. And here at City Church, we value missional living. We are a people on mission with Jesus. All right? And so Jesus lived on mission. He calls his people to live on mission with him. And here we get to, we see these guys in action. They return and they told Jesus, verse 30, they told him all that they had done and taught. Okay, they're given the download. They're given the report. They're giving a debrief. And what we see with Jesus in that moment, he, he calls them away to a place of rest. Okay, we see in Jesus's command, there's there's three commands we're going to look at in this scripture that reveal Jesus's compassionate care for people. Okay, and the first one is uh, right here in verse 31. He he tells his disciples after a busy, exciting, fun mission trip and they want to give him the download and they're giving Jesus the download. He's like, hey, guys, it's time for some R&R. &R. 
It's time for some rest. It's time for to get rejuvenated, right? And, and perhaps they were so excited. Perhaps they were really weary. You know, uh, per, perhaps um, perhaps they, they needed to, to process. They needed that space to process. And they needed their bodies to just slow down. You know, when you're around people all the time and you're just giving out and you're giving out and you're pouring out, it can be exhausting. It can be really exhausting. And we see even Jesus in the scripture taking naps. And we see Jesus getting alone, getting, finding a quiet place of solitude to pray and, and to, to, to recenter with the Father and talk to the Father. And, 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 and we see the humanity and the deity of Jesus in the Gospels here. And one of the things we see in, in, in Jesus' command is that he cares about us and he calls us to rhythms of rest. He calls us... All to rhythms of rest, no matter how energized and gifted and passionate we are about reaching people for Jesus, we need rest. We need, we need to lay our heads down at night. We need quiet. We need solitude. And so Jesus calls them to come. He says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Now, many of us Americans struggle with this when it comes to work. Turning off work is a challenge, all right? And, and just um, and, and, and responding to this call to come and rest. They were at a place where uh, they, for many, were, they had just got back from the mission trip, and there were lots of people crowded around them, and they didn't even have any leisure to eat. I don't know if you've ever been that bombarded with people up in your space where you can't even eat. Right? You don't even have the space to eat. But I, I think I would feel a little bit crowded at that point. And I'd, I'd be like, all right, let's do this, Jesus. Yeah, let's go to a desolate place. So they went. They went to that desolate place, that quiet place, that place of solitude uh, by themselves. And Jesus called each of his followers to have times like that. I hope that you have a weekly rhythm that you're able to find a place of rest and solitude and quietness. In your relationship with God. If you want to go deeper in your relationship with God, you need that. You need that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, um, Life Together, talks about, he says, be aware, if, if uh, those who are always around people, those who always want to be around people, be aware of being around people. But, but those who tend to isolate themselves, he says, be aware of isolation. If you're, if you're always isolating yourself, right? And there's, there's dangers in both. And we, we, need, we need times of quiet and times of solitude and times of rest. And Jesus himself calls his own disciples into that in verse 31. But we also see that rest getting interrupted. <laughs> you know, and, and parents, you know what this is like, right? Uh, when you have children and it's, it's, a, it's a rest day, you know, it's like you're always on duty, right? You, you got you to gotta take care of your kids. Um, and so we see, we see that rest does get interrupted. Here's a, a quote from Alexander McLern on, um, on his commentary on Mark, his, his work on Mark. He said, after great effort, the body cries for repose, but still more does the soul's health demand quiet after exciting and successful work for Christ. Without much solitary communion with Jesus, effort for him tends to become mechanical and the loss and the loss and to loss to lose the elevation of motive and the suppression of self, which give it 
give it all its power. It is not wasted time which the busiest worker confronted with the most imperative calls for service gives still fellowship in secret with God. It's not wasted time to do that. Amen? And so here's the next thing that we see in this passage. We see that Jesus cares not only about our physical needs, but he cares about our spiritual needs. We see him feeding the multitude. We see him calling his disciples to come away and rest. But as they're trying to do that, uh, when they went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Jesus sees this crowd. And when he saw them, he had compassion on them. We see the heart of Jesus here. We see Jesus move with feeling and concern and affection for this group of people, this, this crowd of people, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They needed leadership. They needed, they needed care and someone to lead and guide them so that they could flourish. And they didn't have that. Remember last week, we looked at the life of John the Baptist and, and Herod. And one of Herod as a political leader within Israel. We got a glimpse of what the, the leadership there looked like. Alright? And in contrast, we have Jesus, the true shepherd. The one who really cares about people. The, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day. According to Jesus, we're missing the mark on shepherding the people. And this was a group of people that didn't have proper leadership and, and care. And Jesus was moved with compassion for them when he saw them. He was moved. Now, I, I think this is key for, for us. If we're going to experience the compassion of Jesus for other people, we need to be willing to look at them in their state long enough to be moved. Oftentimes, we don't experience this, this compassion and compelling by the love of Jesus Christ because we, we see a need, we see somebody broken and hurting, and what do we tend to do? Look away because you don't want to be bothered by that. You, you, you want to be comfortable and convenient, right? We, we want to be comfortable and convenient. We want to continue to finish our tasks for the day or go meet that person that we were planning to meet, Right? And what we see with the life of Jesus, we see he's willing, he's willing, he's approachable. He's willing to let people come and, and interrupt, so to speak. When he, when he sees their, their, their need, their compassion, he's, he's, he's willing and he's able. He's available, he's approachable. And he's able to do something about that need. And so we see in the ministry of Jesus... Him not only caring for the physical needs of people, but we also see him caring for the spiritual needs of people. This is important because many churches tend to emphasize one or the other. And I haven't seen as many churches that do a really great job of uh, emphasizing both in a, in a holistic kind of way, in a balanced kind of way. And here at City Church, we want, we want, to, we want to emphasize both. We want to meet the spiritual needs of people by sharing the word of God with them. And we want to meet practical needs for food, for clothing, for 
for, for relationships. And we want to be there to, to minister to the whole person. And we see that with Jesus. He cares about people. He cares about the whole person. He cares about what's going on in their lives. And it's not enough for Jesus just to feed bellies. Right? Because we can feed a lot of bellies and not share the good news of Jesus Christ so that a person can experience the eternal rescue and redemption of Jesus and have eternity with Him. Which I think is our greatest need, our deepest need. But the crowds tend to only, only search for that surface need. Some food, some clothes, those basics of physical things. And Jesus... He wants to meet those, and he does meet those because he cares about people, but he wants to do so much more in the lives of people. He wants to bring about the redemption, the rescue, the healing, the wholeness, the freedom, the life, the hope, to, to, to infuse us with his purpose and live with his sense of purpose within our lives. And so what does he do when they came to them? When he saw them, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, he starts teaching them. They needed teaching. They needed to hear the word of God. Right? Because Jesus said in, in, in Matthew chapter 4 that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus wanted to meet that deeper need that these people had who, didn't, who were lacking leadership in their lives. Jesus wanted to, to, to become their true shepherd and meet that deepest need. So they were sheep without a shepherd. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, uh, Caught The Cost of Discipleship, describes that like this. There were questions, but no answers. Distress, but no relief. Anguish of conscience, but no deliverance. Tears, but no consolation. Sin, but no forgiveness. It was sheep without a shepherd. He goes on and he says, What is the use of the scribes and, and the devotees of the law, preachers and the rest, when there are no shepherds for the flock? Okay? There's a couple places in the Old Testament that talks about this, where, where God is addressing in Ezekiel, he's addressing the leaders of Israel who feed themselves, they take care of themselves, but they neglect the flock. They neglect to care for God's people. And it bothers God's people. And God says he's going to raise up a shepherd. He's going to raise up a prophet. He's going to raise, he himself is going to come and shepherd his people. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came as the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And we see in John chapter 6, uh, actually all four of the Gospels have the record of Jesus feeding the multitudes. This miracle. This is uh, the, the only miracle that I'm aware of besides the resurrection that all four of the Gospels have a record of. So this is important. Right? It's, it's been said four times in all four Gospels. There, this is a point of teaching. Alright? Jesus comes to show His rescue and to meet the needs of people and not just bread that fills tummies. In John chapter 6, he expounded, he said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life and he who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. 
You see, deep within us, we have this longing for God. We have this longing for more than just having our physical bodies taken care of. We want meaning and purpose and life and and contentment and, and satisfaction that we can ultimately only find in a personal relationship with God. And people look for that horizontally when it can only be met vertically by coming to Jesus in faith. And he wants to meet that need. The next thing we see here is that Jesus cares about others and he wants us to serve them. Okay? He wants us to serve them. He, the disciples, I, I can sympathize with the disciples. Okay? They, they were on a long mission trip. You, you know, or I don't know how long it was, but it was an exciting mission trip, a full mission trip. They're tired. Jesus said, hey, Jesus, you said we're going to go, you know, have some, some rest here. You know, tell these guys to go away, you know. And notice that Jesus, by the way, he, he takes, like, he, he intervenes when he, when he sees they're like sheep without a shepherd. He starts teaching. He starts serving. He starts leading by example, right? But here, he calls the disciples to, to follow his example, okay? They say, send them Send them away into uh, the surrounding countryside and villages and so that they can buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, now just think, I mean, if, if you were a, uh, you were, you know, uh, you had a conference, your our city church was hosting a big conference and there were thousands of people, all right, like, and, 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 and we're, we're here with thousands of people and, you know, and we didn't have food ready, right? But there's, you know, there's restaurants that people can go to, and here, this, they're, they're far away. It would, it would seem unreasonable to all of a sudden, okay, we're going to feed them. We're going to get some food somehow, somewhere. We're going to get some food to take care of all these people, right? And Jesus tells them to do what seems unreasonable in that moment. In John chapter 6, John describes it as a test, Okay? John describes it as a test. This is an opportunity for teaching. How were the disciples going to respond when Jesus says, you give them something to eat? Okay? They seem to have a little bit of an attitude about this, right? Send these guys away. I mean, I, um, and, and Jesus calls them. To follow him to do what they can't do in and of themselves. Jesus calls them to do what they can't do in and of themselves. And this command would be unreasonable if the disciples had to look to merely themselves to make this happen. But they were with Jesus. They were with Jesus, right? Remember, this was the guy who, uh, in just a couple chapters earlier said peace to the storm and it stopped this is the guy who's healing people who's casting out demons who's doing miracles this is the lord of creation all right right here with them and if he says feed them if he commands us to do something that seems unreasonable he's going to give us the ability to carry it out because what he demands of us in truth. His grace empowers us to live up to. And this is ministry, by the way. This is Christian ministry. 
I feel like this on Sunday mornings when I come to preach the Word of God. Like, what do I have to give to feed the people? And I just feel like I just bring my two fish and five loaves. and I'm like, all right, Lord, here it is. I've said that many times in prayer. I bring, I bring, bring you what I have. Uh, fill me, use me. Encourage your people this morning. Strengthen your people. And God does that. He shows up. He, he works through our weakness. See, if, we, if, we're only, if we're only engaging in ministry that we can do in our own strength, leaning on our own understanding, we're missing out on so much of the ministry that the Lord calls us into. Because He calls us to do things that we can't do in and of ourselves. Because we're weak. But He gets glory and He's honored when He fits His strength. His strength fits perfect in our weakness. We, we offer up our weakness and our frailty. And, and we just say, alright God, I don't understand. I don't have the ability. I can't make this happen. But you can. Will you work through that? And He does. Bring them your loaves and your fishes. And watch them work. Watch them show up. And while this may seem harsh and this may seem unreasonable that Jesus would make this request, He empowers and He provides for what He commands of us to carry out. David Garland in his commentary on Mark says, Jesus insists that the disciples share in His ministry to the world and take responsibility for the crowd. Take responsibility for the crowd. We may be exhausted and need a well-deserved rest when Jesus says to us, you give them something to eat. Disciples are always servants of others, called to feed the sheep, not just themselves. The lesson from this account is clear. There will always be enough to feed the church. Amen? And that's, that's the mindset that we want to take on here at City Church. Mindsets of servants. We want to live out loving community, which practically on the ground speaking is serving others. Serving those around us. Serving the community. How can we serve? How can we make a difference? How can we tangibly show the love of Christ, not just talk about the love of Christ? We need to do both. We need to describe what God is like. Describe what Jesus is like. Describe what Jesus has done. Speak of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Speak of Him serving and giving His life as a ransom for many. Talk about it. Share it. But then show it. Like let's, let's Church, let's follow in His footsteps when we see a need. And we may be overwhelmed like the disciples when we see the need. We may see the crowd and the great need, and we may be like... I don't think we can even make a dent in this. Well, if, you're, if it's just us trying to make a dent, then yeah, that's, that's true. But if, if, if the Lord's working through us, and we bring Him our weakness, we bring Him our fish and our loaves, He can do anything. And He gets glory through working through frail, weak humans. David Garland goes on, and he says, when Christians on average give about 3% of their income to the church and even less of their time in direct ministry, we know that we do, we do have enough, but we are keeping it for ourselves. Perhaps a miracle will occur, as Barclays interprets it, that human hearts and pocketbooks will be opened when we begin ministering to others. 
The passage confirms that compassion combined with God's bounty and power can meet both spiritual and physical needs people. This is good. And so Jesus cares about others too and he wants to extend his compassionate care through you and me. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. We're about that here. Knowing Jesus, loving people, and impacting your world. Let's let the compassion and the love of Christ move us to action and inconvenience ourselves and be flexible even when it's time for rest. Now, I think there's healthy boundaries that are needed, uh, but we, ju- we just got to be flexible like Jesus was and his disciples. He was calling his disciples to, to be gracious and flexible. I like to say, blessed are the flexible for they won't get bent out of shape. Right? If you're, if you're rigid and you're not flexible, because life, life happens, unexpected things happen in life. And if you're rigid and it just has to be perfectly like you have it planned out for each day, you're going to get bent out of shape when unexpected, seemingly interruptions come your way. But they may be divine appointments that God is sending your way and all a part of his plan. Like with, here, like with this particular instance. I mean, John says Jesus was testing these guys. Right? In Scripture, the wilderness, the wilderness is not only, it's, 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 a, it's a place of testing in the Bible. Uh, but also we see here, it's, it's a place of rest. God brought them out of Egypt. You know, there's rest and there's test in the wilderness. And Jesus is like the new Moses. There's some allusions here of how God was working through Moses in the Old Testament in the wilderness, providing manna from heaven. Right? And here's Jesus, the ultimate leader, providing manna, bread, a miracle, multiplying bread. Okay, this was truly a miracle. Okay, let's go on. So immediately, verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before them to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Take note of his example, by the way. And when evening came, the boat was on the sea, and he was alone on on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, he thought uh, they thought it was a ghost, a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, "Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid." There's another command in this section. Three, three commands we're, we're seeing here. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Okay? And so here's, here's what I'd like to highlight in this section here. Jesus cares for us when we face trouble. 
We see Jesus caring for the physical and the spiritual needs. We see Jesus working through his people to meet the needs of others, to do what we can't do in and of ourselves. We just bring our fish and our loaves and he works through us. But then we see the disciples in trouble experience fishermen who are afraid. They think they saw a ghost. But no, it's Jesus. The same Jesus who earlier, who, who earlier on in the ministry... Uh, was in the boat sleeping and woke up and he spoke to the storm and he said, Shalom, peace. And it stopped. Right? And so Jesus comes walking on water. This is really cool. Another miracle. Right? He's walking on water. They think it's a ghost. They're freaking out. And he says these just simple commands here. Take heart. Be of good courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and all of a sudden, the wind ceased. Now, it's interesting here that Mark says that they, um, that they didn't understand. Um, they, for, they did not, for they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their, their hearts were hardened. Right? They were missing something here. Perhaps they, they hadn't really fully grasped the reality of who Jesus is. Right? Perhaps they haven't fully grasped it yet. We see throughout the Gospels they're, they're, they're progressing towards this revelation of getting it of who Jesus is. Right? And, and he reveals himself in more depth later on in the Gospel of Mark. But here we see Jesus, the sovereign one over creation. The one who can multiply bread. The one who can cause storms to stop. The one who can walk on water. The one who can touch sick, sick bodies and make them come alive. And open blind eyes. And cast out demons. And, and see people whose lives are in shambles set free and made whole. But they weren't, they weren't getting it yet. And of course Jesus was patient with them as he is with each of us. Who are in a process of growing and learning who Jesus is and how to take on his character in our lives. And so I want to, want to highlight just here a couple things um, in application from these three particular commands that we see in this passage. Uh, Jesus calls, first of all, his disciples to come away to a desolate place and rest a while. And so the first application is, let's follow Jesus' pattern of rest and solitude in prayer. Okay? Let's not neglect rest, solitude, and prayer. We need that. If we're going to go deep in our relationship with the Lord, and if we're going to have resource to give to others, spiritual content, meat, life, encouragement, truth, grace, then we've got to get alone with Jesus. We've got to spend time with Him and cultivate intimacy with Him so that we have something to give. We need rest. We're humans, right? We, we, need, we need to get some sleep at night, not push ourselves too much, not overwork, not allow our jobs to, to put unreasonable uh, demands on us where we get totally out of whack in our families, in our relationship with God. And even in ministry, even in Christian ministry, we've got to set healthy boundaries and not let ministry or work become an idol. Because Jesus is more important than our work and He's more important than our ministry. And if we're going to do work and ministry well, we've got to, we've got to do this well, have this relationship good and strong and healthy, abiding in Him. 
And then his command, you give them something to eat, which I think is hilarious. And I, I think many of us can relate to that. Like, God, you want me to help that person? Or this, these people, this situation? Like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can't in and of yourself, but, but he can through you. And he can show up. And if you'll just bring your fish and your loaves, if you'll just do your part and come to him in faith and, and obey what you know to obey... Well, God just said to show up and be here. Well, I'm here. What are you going to do, God? Doing my part, right? So be flexible and available to serve others, just like Jesus is. Be flexible and available to serve others. Let's take on that mindset of servants. I think we'll experience greater joy in our lives if we do. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. I think that's a great... Um, pattern for prayer, great formula for prayer. Put Jesus first, others second, self last. And lastly, take heart. He says, It is I, do not be afraid. Maybe there's some here, I know there's some here that struggle with fear and anxiety. Seems like the world struggles with fear and anxiety right now on, a, on an increased level. Medication for that has just gone up, and people just, mental health just deteriorating. Struggling with fear and anxiety. And Jesus says, take heart inside. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Be courageous knowing the presence and the power of Jesus with you. He's with you. He's with you. And he comes to you in your time of trouble. He meets you in your time of trouble when it seems crazy. And you're afraid and you don't know what to do. Got my little, my kids memorizing Psalm 86. Um, where it says, I will call upon you in the day of trouble and you will answer me and deliver me. I love hearing my six-year-old quote that. I will call upon you in the day of trouble. You will hear me and answer me deliver me. He does that. He's with us. He's for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. That you call us to come to you and find rest in you. To be refreshed and strengthened, filled up so that we can pour out again. So that we can not only be recipients of your grace, but conduits of it. Give us a greater vision for that, for our church, for our families, for our individual lives. What does it look like to position ourselves to get all the grace we can get from you and give it all out? Share the life and the love and the truth of Jesus. Pray that you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart. God, any of us who are experiencing hardness of heart like the disciples seem to be, as Mark says, I pray that you would soften our hearts. That you would strengthen faith in our hearts and tenderness, tender compassion. 
and, and faith that God you can do more with our fish and loaves than we can do trying to put together funds to make things work out or natural resources to make things work out lead us on the mission God conquer the fears in our hearts and our minds as we, we come and we offer ourselves to you where we feel like we're in trouble, we're afraid, we're discouraged. But you come and just conquer that fear, conquer that discouragement and despair. And lead us into joy, lead us into righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, we pray. Come and have your way in this You want to kneel before the Lord? We sing this song about the Lord being our good shepherd. Psalm 23. You can do that. You can stand. But just talk to the Lord. Pour out your heart to God. Whether you use this song or whether you use your own words and your own prayer right where you're at. If you need to do business with Him, you need to bring some burdens to Him. You have some guilt you need to bring to Him. Fears that you need to bring to Him. Bring it to Him. weary in your soul. Come and just wait on Him. Those who wait on Him, He renews their strength and they mount up with wings like eagles and they run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. So let's just take a few moments to do that with song and prayer and quietness.